Hey everyone, welcome to Fumbling Hobbyist, where we explore adventures and misadventures in spare time. I have a special guest with me today. Anna Haley is an ultra marathoner from Gardendale, Texas, and she has graciously agreed to help us out by talking a little bit about her hobby that she does. Hi, Anna. Hi. So first of all, can you tell us what is an ultramarathon? An ultramarathon is any race over an, a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. So the next distance is usually a 50K, which is 31 miles. And from there, races go up to over 200 miles. Oh, wow. That's really a lot longer than I was imagining. What's the longest one you've done? Uh, I've done 100 miles once, and I'm going to do another 100 miler next week. Wow. Just next week. So you're practically trained up for that. Hopefully. Wow. What does training for something that long look like? Um, it's It depends on different people's plans. For, for me, I have a limited amount of time, and so I tend to run almost every day, um, kind of medium distance runs during the week, and then a mix of like long runs and hill work on the weekends, which is mostly on the treadmill mostly on the treadmill okay is that do you find that it's a lot different to train on a treadmill versus run your race outside it's it's a lot different because most of the longer races are trail races I've done a couple road races like at the 100k distance but um, most of the long most ultras are on trails and we don't have a lot of trails here and um, even um you can't simulate on a treadmill the type of climbing or terrain, you know, on that you'll actually have to run on. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's the best you can do. <laughs> that is amazing. Where is the race that you're running next week? It's in California. Okay. Um, it's called Western States 100, which is the oldest 100-miler in the country. And it starts at Squaw Valley and goes to Auburn. Um, So kind of near, I think Sacramento is the largest city that's nearby. Okay. Um, Wow. That's amazing to me. How, like what made you start doing this? How did you get into this? I had, I've run for a while. I didn't run in high school or college, but I started running at when I started undergrad basically and then first I'd run like a mile every day and then I ran three miles every day and then I ran six miles every day and then I started you know doing some races and um I did marathons for a while and I I still do marathons but um ultra marathons have just in the past I would say five years or so become a lot more popular and there are a lot more opportunities to to do them um, the first one I did was, I think, five years ago, and it was um, in Palo Duro Canyon uh, near Amarillo, and I was so it was a 50k, and I was like so excited when I finished. I mean, I cried, and <laughs> it it was only five miles more than a marathon, but it still felt like this like next big accomplishment. So. Then, then you just kind of want to work up from there. And I done. I don't really. I haven't done a ton, but um, I've done a bunch of 50ks and a couple 50 milers. And then 
couple hundred Ks. And, and then last year I had been working at the beginning of the year to try and get faster at my marathon time. And, um, I was trying to run a sub three hour marathon and I ran a 301.30 twice. And after that, I was just kind of a little bit defeated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I decided to just switch tracks and, and that's when I signed up for a hundred miler and I did that one in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And, um, for me, there are hundred mile races all over, but I kind of, um, I picked that one in Steamboat cause it was really challenging, but really beautiful scenery. And I feel like if you're going to be out there for that amount of time, like I just don't want to be running loops, mm-hmm. you know, around a park and that's not something to look at and doesn't at least it keeps you going when there's you're you're seeing different things and and that type of yeah how long does it take you to run 100 miles um the one that I did there was a 36 hour cutoff so I was really just going under trying to beat that so I finished in around 30 hours so you were running constantly for 30 hours I was moving for 30 hours. (laughs) I was not running the whole time. There was a lot of walking. Um, In that race, there is 22,000 feet of elevation gain and 22,000 feet of loss. So, for based on what we can train and what I can train on here, which is zero elevation and zero trails and no altitude my quads just got trashed after you know halfway through the race so i i ran walked probably the second half of the race and there was a lot of slow walking towards the end but wow um, that is a remarkably long time just to be awake that's a long time to be awake much less to be exercising and moving yeah that's incredible it's kind of a different i mean the the people who are like elites probably finish that race in 20 hours like the elite women so um it's i don't know i'd like to do one where a race where i probably could run most of it or almost all of it but i don't think the western states which i'll do next week i don't think that that's gonna be one like that either because in both of these races you end up well that the one I did last year, you, you climbed up a black diamond ski slope to start it. Oh, wow. So, in this one, there's like 4,000 feet of elevation gain in the first four miles. So, it's just going to be kind of climbing. And then, in in western states, heat is a, is a variable. It's going to be probably over 100 in the canyons during the daytime part of the race so mm-hmm. I'm just gonna have to see how my body mm-hmm. yeah. handles that yeah. so in those sorts of potentially extreme conditions how do you keep your body safe um it can be hard like there there are people like last year um there are people that you know passed out and collapsed and, and things like that I mean using like trying to maintain hydration is a big part of it um Mm -hmm. keeping up with your electrolytes uh using any like methods you can to cool um like putting ice around your neck 
you know, mm-hmm. dumping water on yourself. There's aid stations, like, along the way. And there's chance to, like, most of the time you have a crew and that type of thing. And they're meeting you at different spots and trying to help you keep moving. Um, in both the races I've done, you can have pacers after so many miles. So, okay. um, usually after 60 or so miles, you can have a pacer. Um, and what's a pacer? They just kind of run with you, mm-hmm. run, walk, whatever. Um, it's especially helpful during the, like, overnight when, mm. you know, you're you're tired, you're not, you've been on your feet for over 12 hours at that point, and um, it's just kind of nice to have a little bit of, of company out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not allowed to, like, help you do anything like they can't carry your stuff or carry water or food or anything like that for you but just kind of a safety type of thing too and companion Mm -hmm. yeah that would be fun I think that would be fun to be the pacer yeah (laughs) to run like you know five miles of it and then go go to bed (laughs) some people really like pacing and and crewing and just the organization and stuff like Mm -hmm. that that is really neat. Wow. So. Wow. So, and I know as we heard a little bit ago, your daughter Emery is here, and you have a thriving vet practice, and you are living, like you board horses at your home, and you have a lot of moving pieces in your life. How do you continue to carve out the time for a hobby that is quite time-consuming? It's hard. Um, there's a lot of things I like to do, and... You know, finding time for all of it. Um, it, I usually try and run in the morning. um, So I just get up really early because that way I can make sure I get it done. Because usually at the end of the day, I don't feel like doing anything. So Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to get it out of the way. Um, And then on the weekends, like thankfully my, my husband's really supportive. And he'll watch Emery and like that kind of thing and um he does he ran a lot in the past and he does still run for fun so he'll help me out like at races he'll be my my crew or Mm -hmm. or pacer um so that that's good too because at least we have a common interest and he he understands like why I want to run and um Mm -hmm. for me it's a stress relief too um and I mean, there's a point where it's hard sometimes. Like, hard, sometimes it's an additional stressor because I need to get in certain workouts and find the time to do things. But um, I kind of always need a goal. And that's, for me, running is um, kind of my outlet to always have something to be, like, working towards. And mm-hmm. otherwise I just feel kind of lost. You know, like, when I'm training for something, then I'm like, oh, I can't wait to be done with this. And then after I finish a race, like, a week later, you know, I'm trying to figure out what what I can do next, so. Have you ever seriously considered giving it up? No. No, I wouldn't. I mean, the good thing about running is there's so many different things you can do. Like, you can do all sorts of different distances, and, I mean, there's, by now, there's any kind of crazy race you could possibly imagine um, people have come up with, you know, the super long races, the 
Like there's all these timed events. There's like six hour races to 24 hour races to 48 hour, you know, so there's, and there's all sorts of goofy things people have come up with. So I think at, at some degree, like I'm not happy if I'm not running. So in some capacity, I'd, I'd always like to be running if my body puts up with it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it will. <laughs> I hope so too. You know, and I, you see people in their eighties running marathons. So I don't think that's at all an unreasonable thing to hope. No, I mean, even, um, in the race that I'm doing next week, uh, there was a 70 year old finisher, um, a couple years ago. Wow. And she just barely finished in the time limit, but she finished. So that's amazing. I'd like to be able to, you know, be doing that if my body doesn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't fall apart. <laughs> we will hope for that. That would be really, really great. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had moments where you have thought, like, oh, if I had known this when I started running, I would have done this differently, or any injuries that you sustained in your younger years of running that you felt like could have been prevented if you had known then what you know now? I think I've done some stupid things, like um, like not... uh, like increasing my mileage too quickly or increasing speed too quickly. Um, At one point I was feeling really good and I started really bumping up my mileage. And then, you know, three weeks later I had a stress fracture. Oh my gosh. So I I think I'm a little bit more careful now. Um, And I actually work with a coach now, which has has helped me out a lot um, because it kind of, forces me to um, do other things that make me stronger, like do my strength strength workouts and things like that, whereas I used to just want to run and didn't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to the running, and um, or I only wanted to run one speed all the time, and now that I have a lot of speed workouts and, like, varied workouts, it's helped me a lot as a runner, um, but... I think increasing too quickly was one of my problems. Um, the other thing that I've all I've done stupid things like changing my shoes like to like different styles of shoes, um, and that can really throw things off. Um, it just needs like everything should be like kind of a gradual transition, and I mean I did it even. In a 100K, I had this pair of shoes that I hadn't really done that many long runs in. It started giving me a blister. So I had another pair of shoes, but that rather than being, that was kind of, the shoes I switched to were kind of a minimalist shoe, and um, I wasn't used to it. And, like, within the race, I couldn't feel, like, my hip, which always bothers me, got flared up. Then my knee started hurting. Then my ankle, you know, at the point, like, I got to about 40 miles into the race, and, like, I couldn't, like, biomechanically get my legs to work to reach the goal that, I, like, I had a time goal in that race. And it it just completely fell apart, and I ended up aggravating my IT band and not being able to run for three months after that race. Hmm. And so, you know, now I try and be a little bit more 
like careful about some of my my choices and um, not make I mean everyone tells you not to change anything like the day before an event or at an event or you know but I'm not the best planner so <laughs> you know like oh it'll be okay and sometimes it's not okay so but wow do you have a certain type of shoe or style of shoe I mean I guess I've never really thought about the idea of changing a style of shoe gradually that's not something I've ever really thought about how do you decide that or how do you know that the running shoes like I mean I used to think the same thing I mean I'd go in there and pick a pair of shoes and like oh these feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and I like the color and and that's what I would buy and now there's so many variations like if you pronate or supinate or if you want a stability shoe or you want um your heel toe angle things like that like there was a big movement you know for minimalist shoes where you're um trying to get yourself into a more natural running form like less heel striking things like that and um those things are good but if you're not used to it it's um it's going to hurt. Mm. Uh, if you just go out and you know, decide to run 20 miles on something. that, um, And there's there's definitely a lot more to, to shoes than, um, than you'd think. And usually going to, like, a running store and getting fitted, having someone analyze your gait um, is the best way to avoid injuries because... It's there's more things that can go wrong than you could think from like just having the wrong shoes, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you're running such a long distance. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate you recording with me today. At on Fumbling Hobbyist, we talk a little bit about a term that I coined called soul hobbies, which is the idea of a hobby as something that is sort of part of your being. You would sort of cease to be yourself if you stopped doing this. Do you feel like running is part of your identity in a way that you would sort of stop being you if you stopped doing it? I think so. I mean, I can't I can't imagine not running or being happy not running. Um, and for me, I don't... There's other sports that I do, like I, I ride horses and... Mm-hmm. Um, I I like to hike and walk and and do other things, but running's really, um, really the sport that I feel like I need to do. Um, where as the other stuff, you know, I I can enjoy it, but mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily feel like I have to do it. So that's really really neat. Well, I'm really glad that you are able to, and um, I wish you luck in your race coming up next week. Thank you so much for joining us on Fumbling Hobbyists this week. Again, that was Anna Haley, a wonderful ultra marathoner, and she did in fact finish the Western Endurance Run in just over 25 hours. So congratulations, Anna. Thanks for participating in Fumbling Hobbyist. If you have something to add to this conversation, you can email Fumbling Hobbyist. The email address is fumblinghobbyist at gmail.com or join in the conversation on the Facebook page. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.